What are we doing? What is local church St. Pete about? Why are we here? Well, Jesus tells the story of a banquet set and ready where the marginalized and outcasts of this world are welcomed in. Now, simply put, we're inviting others to that banquet to see Jesus for who he is and what he's accomplished. That's what we're doing as a church. You know, to our amazement, we found that there's a place at the table for us, and there's still room for more. That's what we're looking at this morning in Luke 14. So let's begin in Luke 14. We'll look at verse 1, and then we'll jump ahead. Verse 1, one Sabbath when he went, Jesus went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. Now jump ahead to verse 12. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Well, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, "Uh, I've bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen. I have to go examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done. And still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out. Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. And Jesus looks around at those he's speaking this story to, and he says, For I tell you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. There are three things I pray we see here in this this text, this story. First, the guest's excuses. Second, the master's reaction. And third, the servant's responsibility. First, we see the guest's excuses. Before we look at these excuses one at a time, I want to back up. I want to just give us the context. Jesus is dining at a ruler of the Pharisee's house. So here's the religious leader of the day, but not just any religious leader. He's a ruler of religious leaders of his day. And in verse 1, it tells us that they were watching Jesus closely. In other words, they were waiting for him to slip up or say something worthy to condemn him. You know, a lot of Jesus' ministry actually took place around a table. He would dine. He would eat with uh, both tax collectors and religious leaders alike. And dinner parties like this one often took place actually in the courtyard of a home outside where those in the town could actually observe what was happening. It's kind of like watching reality TV. 
So they weren't invited to the party, but they could watch it happen. And people who were eating at this party would normally only eat with those of a particular social class. And their place at the table was determined by their status. So here in verse 12, where Jesus begins to say, now, if you have a banquet, who should you invite? And he begins to list those that should be invited. The blind, the lame, the crippled. And I imagine the religious leader getting a little warm as Jesus, this rabbi, is sitting at his table talking about who should be invited to a table. And then in verse 15, maybe to break up the awkward moment, we hear a man yell out, Oh, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Well, he wasn't just yelling that out for nothing. He wanted to hear Jesus' opinion on the kingdom of God. He wanted to hear Jesus' opinion on what would be known to them as this great messianic banquet. The banquet of the coming king. The promised king. The kingdom of God was a popular topic in Jesus' day. So the man obviously expects a response from Jesus on the topic of the coming kingdom of God and on the Messiah who will begin that kingdom or that reign. So when you think kingdom, think there has to be a king where there's a kingdom. Well, you know that Jesus came proclaiming the kingdom of God is near. It's at hand. Repent and believe the good news. The good news of what? The good news that your God reigns and His kingdom has come. And Jesus understood that He was the King of the kingdom of God. He is Jesus Christ. Jesus the King. Jesus the Messiah. The Anointed One. The idea of this messianic kingly banquet the idea was this at the end of history the final fulfillment of that kingdom was understood to include a great banquet with the messiah it was rooted in the prophet isaiah and that this is a banquet where death is done away with where tears are wiped away it's a day of salvation a day of victory a day of renewal a day of restoration a day that they were longing for Keep that in mind. That's the setting. And then Jesus tells the story of a man who was throwing a dinner party. Now I want you to imagine that you planned a large-scale dinner party. Not a small party. A large dinner party. You sent invites out. You received RSVPs. You reserved the venue. You set up the decor. You had a clear number in mind for the caterer. And on the day of the party, your phone started just to light up with text messages. Ones that said things like, ah, sorry, can't make it today. And another that says, I have another obligation. Have fun. Winky face. (laughs) Or, wish I could be there, but something else came up. Okay. You think, wait, what's going on here? Are you kidding me? This is Valerie's biggest fear. We throw a party, no one shows up. You'd be thinking, this, this can't be happening. All this prep, all this food. The original guest list went out in Jesus' story. But those on the list, they refused to come to the banquet when it was actually ready. Come, everything is ready, was what the servant went out to communicate with those who had been invited. It's all ready. 
And there's an eagerness here, an excitement, a joy that can only really, that, that really is only met with excuses, which is really awkward, especially in that culture. Listen to the excuses that they come up with. I bought a field, verse 18. I bought a field. Verse 19, I bought oxen. Verse 20, I've married a wife. And this last one doesn't even ask to be excused. He just announces, yeah, I'm not coming. I'm out. So this refusal to come to the banquet prepared for them would have been a public insult and a financial burden to the host. Culturally, Culturally, they, they might even be trying, I think they're trying to humiliate the host. They knew about the banquet ahead of time, and the excuses that they give just don't add up. They don't add up. And it would have been seen as ridiculous. People would have planned a visit. Before you purchase a field, you see it. Before you purchase oxen, you test them out. So they're essentially saying this. This life I'm living, this field I've purchased, these oxen, this relationship I'm in is more important than my relationship with you to the host. Relationship is at risk here. They put the busyness of everyday life ahead of the banquet, ahead of the invite. Clearly, these are misplaced priorities. Maybe they're looking for a different banquet altogether. So we see the guest's excuses. Well, second, we see the master's reaction to these excuses. Well, the master's angry, and rightly so. And so he tells his servant, go. Go into the streets and into the lanes of the city. And these streets and lanes would have represented uh, just the outcasts. Go, go to the outcasts of the city. Go to the outcasts of Israel. Bring in the rejected. Bring in the marginalized. Bring in those who could never repay me. Bring in the blind and the crippled. Bring in the poor and the lame. Bring them in. Now I imagine everyone sitting around this table as Jesus told this story were enjoying the story or at least tolerating the story until they heard this. Because they then begin to discover that they themselves may not be on the guest list or that they themselves might be the, one, the ones with the excuses. How are you treating Jesus' invitation? Whatever confidence they had before was being challenged by Jesus by this short, punchy parable that sent shockwaves into their lives and still into ours today. And so the guest list is opened up. I mean, big time. The guest list is opened up to people that they least expected. The unclean. Those of lower class. The socially unaccepted and rejected. Bring him in. Master tells the servant, bring him in. Bring him in. Go out into the streets and into the lanes. Find the marginalized. Find the rejected. Find the broken. And here we get a glimpse, and we'll see it in a couple weeks. Here we get a glimpse of Jesus' ministry. He came for the broken. He came for the needy. He came for the rejected. He came for the marginalized. He came for the poor. Bring him in. Servant does it. The servant does it. But there's still room. So number three, we see the servant's responsibility. I want you to picture the banquet table filled with new guests, all of them wondering, what in the world am I doing here? 
You know, all those rejected, all those marginalized of the community, they would have been wondering, what am I doing at this banquet table? So I want you to imagine, just picture a banquet, picture this red carpet is the table, and we're all gathered around this table. And the master says, or the servant says, there's still room for more. The master says, go to the highways, go to the hedges. And this speaks of going way beyond the city's boundaries, way beyond any and every boundary that had been set up in their hearts. You see, the good news of the kingdom of God, the good news of the reign of God through his son Jesus, the good news of the gospel, the good news that you can know freedom and rest and hope in Jesus, salvation and relationship with the living God, the good news of the gospel, it's for the nations. It's for those way beyond the highways and the hedges, pushing back every boundary that you can think of. Bring in the outsiders, the master is saying. Go to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, which everyone around that table would have been like, what, the Gentiles? Well, I got something to share with you. We are Gentiles. If you're not Jewish, you're Gentile. You're non-Jew. He's saying go beyond still. Go beyond still. Beyond whatever boundary you can imagine. Because really, when it comes to God's kingdom, those boundaries don't exist. There's still room. There is still room. There is still room. So go out and compel them to come in. Now, this word compel, it means convince or constrain. And, and the Apostle Paul uses this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, where he says, for Christ's love compels us or it controls or constrains us why because we have really we've concluded this that one died for all therefore all died and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who for their sake died and was raised so paul was so convinced of the resurrection of jesus and the new life that he brings and that by faith we're now alive and we're living now for him He's saying now we are to then compel others to come in. For Christ's love compels us, compels us, controls us. This constraining effect on us, like pushing us forward, like I got no other option. In view of God's great love, I am compelled and constrained. And, and that's the idea. He says go out into the, the highways and the hedges. Go beyond the boundaries that have been set and compel them to come in. Compel them to come in. So the people you invite, the people you're striving and, and, and trying to compel, they're going to have a hard time accepting the authenticity of an invitation like this because they're going to receive it like this. For real? Oh, really? You want me at your banquet? You serious? And isn't that what grace does? When we grasp God's grace, his unmerited, unearned favor and kindness, isn't that what it produces? This shock and awe. Like, what? Are, are you serious? For, forgiveness? F freedom? Relationship? That's when you're starting to understand grace. It's when it rocks you like that. And are you for real response? Well, Jesus has invited people who could never repay. It's out of the question. We can't pay Jesus back for what he's done for us, for what he's won for us. Out of the question. Fast forward with me to January 2020. That's where we are. Yeah, Jesus was speaking to a particular group back then. It's true. Here we are, 2020. And you 
are invited to the banquet. I hope you accept the invitation. I hope you enter the banquet. The other option is to reject it and stay where you are, but know this, you cannot participate from a distance. The great banquet anticipated for all these years has arrived in Jesus. The arrival of the kingdom has come in Jesus. Jesus is the king of the kingdom. And his message was repent. Own up to your sin and turn away from it. Stop living for yourself and live with me as your center. That's where true life and joy is found. Repent for the kingdom of God is, is at hand. Believe the good news. And so the banquet here, it reflects what happened in Jesus' ministry. But the religious elite of Jesus' day refused to accept Jesus' preaching of the kingdom, which was his invitation to his banquet. So who do we see again and again responding by faith to Jesus? Ah, the marginalized, the broken, the ones who see their need, the outsider. Verse 24, the parable's done, and Jesus addresses those at the table with him. But now we're included, and it's a sharp warning, I believe. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of, what does he say? My banquet. Because he is the Messiah. It's his banquet. What are we doing? What is local church St. Pete about? Why are we here? Simply put, we're inviting people. We're inviting friends. We're inviting others to a banquet. We're inviting others to a dinner party, to come and feast, to see Jesus for who he is and what he's accomplished. And that banquet, listen, that banquet is set and it is ready. And Jesus, who is the master and the host of this banquet, has made a way for sinners like you and me to participate in the party. And so his invitation has reached our ears. It's changed our hearts for those who by faith trust in Jesus alone for redemption. We've been invited in and welcomed in. And to our amazement, we found a place at the table. And so listen, if you meet a Christian, you should meet someone who's been humbled by grace. Humbled, like shock and awe. Like, oh my, I can't repay God. I I could never repay him. So now I'm gonna live in response to that grace by walking in love by leaning into who he is and by learning to follow Jesus, my king. We are the outsiders welcomed in. We are the ones who were found on the highways and beyond the hedges. Do you get that? We're the ones that were invited after the marginalized and the outcasts. Go out still, compel them to come. But it can't stop there. We can't just say, oh, that's great. We are those Gentiles, those non-Jews beyond the hedges and on the highways that have been welcomed in. We can't stop there. Because we are guests, but we've been turned into servants. Servants who have become messengers of a generous invitation where the master's vision and passion has become ours. Because, verse 23, I got news for you. It's still happening. Verse 23 is still happening. The master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. Because guess what, church? There is still room. That's why we're here. We believe there's still room. 
And we want as many people as we could imagine to experience the grace and love of God in Jesus. We want them to join us at this banquet and see Jesus for who he is. That's what we're doing here. The streets and the lanes, the highways and the hedges of St. Peter before us. And what's our message? You have a place here. You have a place at the banquet. And we get to compel neighbors and friends and coworkers and family members, come in. And we get to push, push against our own personal bias and our small views of what God can do in other people's lives. Show me a boundary that God can't just break through. Show me a wall that God can't tear down. Show me. One doesn't exist. But may God continue to push against our own personal bias. May he continue to break through our small view of what he can do in people's lives as we invite people to the banquet. We have had the privilege this one year of watching God break through boundaries and barriers. Now we get to watch God continue to break through whatever boundaries we've been duped into thinking are real, and we get to continue to watch him break through whatever walls others have put up to keep him out. We get to do that. We're participants on this mission. Someone, someone will take the good news of this banquet to others. I want it to be me. With whatever breath and life I have left, I want to invite people to the banquet. That's where life is found. Are we convinced? That's all we're doing here. We're showing people who Jesus is. We're inviting people to follow King Jesus, to know him, to live for him, to find hope and joy and fulfillment. Disciples who make disciples to impact the city of St. Pete for Jesus. That's our mission statement. And yeah, it's put on banners, but is it in our heart? I think it is. I see it. And I want it to be more and more. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this banquet that has been prepared for us. Thank you for this invitation that we've received to see you in the face of your son, Jesus. Thank you that you have done for us, outsiders and the marginalized, what we can't even comprehend fully. But now thank you that you have turned guests into servants. And you've put in our hearts a passion, the passion of our master, Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would fill this building, but not just for the building's sake, but for your glory's sake. We pray that you would fill our lives. We pray that you would fill our homes. We pray that you would fill our house groups. We pray that, Lord, you would uh, give us uh, Lord, just inroads into people's lives that you would push against bias and boundaries and walls that we ourselves have set up, push against unbelief in our own hearts, push against all that, God, for the sake of your glory and for the mission of your kingdom. We're yours, and what an honor to belong to you. So, Lord, would you just continue to bring honor to your name through our lives? Would you help us as a community to live as authentic as we know how, to follow Jesus with our hearts, our whole hearts, to be a, a community that's humbled by your grace and love. And draw others in, we pray. Please. In Jesus' name, amen.